Hello, I'm Kane Winston. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Dergish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. All right, Kane. Today, are you ready to talk about mayhem, disorder, mayhem, chaos through a character known as Carnage? Ham. You said mayhem. Yeah, mayhem. I'm hungry. Ham sounds great. Oh, uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, Carnage time. Yeah. Tell me more about this Carnage story we're going to be reading. Well, it starts in Peter Parker, issue 13, from January 2000, and is followed up in Web Spinners 1314 in January and February of 2000. It's like we're going back to the future here. So this is like a three-part story. So what you're telling me is that each three of these parts of this story will connect to each other and make one whole narrative. Uh, no. <laughs> That's, I made no such promises. And neither did these comics, oh even though they kind of did, because uh, there, there's a there's a plot thread for the character we're following today. But in the world of Peter Parker, it's also followed. But and yet these stories seem completely separate. So let's dive into that. Um, but before we do so, we should talk about the fact that these issues are pretty widely available. Um, though, if you want to get a, a floppy of the Peter Parker issue, it's a little more pricey coming in at six bucks as opposed to like three. Is it worth six dollars by no means it holds a historical event in the canon of the peter parker i i guess technically it is a key issue um and we'll get to that to a second a rusted um, janky key to a lock that nobody wants to open <laughs> All right. Um, this is a Howard Mackey story, by the way. Uh, we didn't we didn't list the creatives on this one. Um, <laughs> the names of the innocent shall be redacted. <laughs> Howard Mackey and Graham Nolan did the story and art, and Scott Koblish did the inks for the web spinners issues. Um, for Peter Parker Spider Man number thirteen is Howard Mackey, Lee Weeks, and Robert Capanella on story and art. With Gregory Wright on colors. All right. Well, so Mackie is the through line. Uh, we, we get a little bit, art changes a little bit. But anyway, let's let's just dive in. Sure. So Peter Parker 13 opens with Cassidy having this delusion about beating up Venom and Spider-Man in front of a crowded ballpark while people are cheering for him. It's a bit unusual, a bit odd, and is also in light of a story where Venom basically eats or reabsorbs the carnage symbiote and has left cassidy feeling powerless might not be the right word but depowered i guess and longing for the power that he once held yeah i think that's a good way to put it um also worth noting this takes place after that cosmic carnage story where silver surfer encases carnage in an unbreakable unescapable seal of cosmic what whatnots um it's never addressed how carnage gets out it's just never addressed rest no one ever writes that story it's just carnage is out and venom eats the symbiote and then this story well there you go <laughs> um so right so yeah yeah carnage breaks out of prison like he does 
you know, got that revolving door Arkham style, I guess, at Ravencroft. And then we move to something where I think we just kind of have to jump the shark on this one and talk about it differently than the way we'd normally go about talking about these comics because of how it's put together. So Mary Jane goes missing in this issue. This is a fairly big plot arc that chases us for a while um, where, Pe- where Peter has to deal with mary jane being presumably dead from something off panel that's just mentioned not necessarily in passing but just kind of mentioned in this comic and we the the ramifications for it run on for a while so that's why this is a key issue yeah so this is the issue where mary jane quote-unquote dies in a plane accident on the way to uh california um and i don't remember when exactly it's revealed that she's alive but it's for like at least a year or so that she's she's dead um and i believe she was still quote-unquote dead uh when we were doing that um Sandman story, which I think is the the latest that we've gone in in this particular Peter Parker era. Um, it's a weird, yeah, you. and yeah, it's it's weird, and it it's the it's hard to tell in this comic what is supposed to be the A plot and what is supposed to be the B plot. Um, clearly, this Carnage story is inserted so that we can get some superheroics, while the main narrative is and should be focused on this re- revelation and the impact in all these characters lives but instead for whatever reason we're devoting a hefty amount of the page count to a depowered carnage so i guess cletus cassidy kind of going through new york in his underwear he paints himself red with some hardware paint uh which i thought was like a clever inversion because i think it was maybe last episode or the story of the story before where i mentioned that like carnage despite being like this like crazy killer or like off off the edge like as far as like on panel body counts go fairly low not not like he doesn't like he's, he's all talk um for a serial killer, but how many people has he really killed come on guys <laughs> But this the panel the way the panel is structured is it looks like he's painted himself in the blood of these people he's killed. But uh, it's there's also like canisters of red paint dumped over, and I believe uh, the text says that he painted himself red with paint. And so it's 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 a have your cake and eat it too kind of moment. And I should note the the text box where they say he painted himself red, I believe, comes just slightly after. So you have at least a page turn of like this horror. But if you go back to it, like the paints there, it's all there. It's interesting comic book storytelling because you're making presumptions, but then once you're past the gutter and past the point where your mind like makes a decision on the information that's been handed to you, they do subvert it. It's interesting. Like it's a weird, interesting comic book storytelling moment that i actually appreciate but it's couched in this bizarre ass issue so kane Mm -hmm. if memory serves you like me went to a prestigious collegiate affair in which you learned some of the ins and outs of storytelling creative writing is what many call it yes i got a fiction writing degree i got a poetry (laughs) one but you know we're doing fantastic great life choices there (laughs) and now we're here uh so there's something in there that's called story structure now 
the mm-hmm. reason story structure is important and usually most people land on this when they write a story fairly naturally is about how information is presented to the audience versus how it is presented to the characters within the story that fourth wall of information as it's often referred to really informs the tension and drama and moment to moment of the story letting the plot beats and character development be highlighted maybe take on subtext something like that um would you agree with everything i said so far more or less yes all right how do you feel this comic handled structure because i want to talk about it but i want to make sure i'm not going off the deep end here no you're not going off the deep end the structure of this story and then the subsequent two issues that kind of form this arc right i mean i even i even put the arc in quotation marks despite the fact that the the events in these next two story like these next two issues directly follow the like this and forms like an arc yet the the structure is so weird the the composition of the story is so bizarre and lumpy that it it almost feels like it shouldn't be referred to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and so we'll get there because when we talk about the plot and because of our focus on carnage it's going to sound more succinct than these issues actually are mm-hmm. but this peter parker issue is dealing with this mary jane thing and so while peter is swinging around and dealing with some common thugs and then i'm gonna call him red man here because he's painted red and terrorizing the town he's not carnage <laughs> i don't know if you can say red man i think this got some racial connotations to it uh, i was thinking more wu-tang or something buddy wow oh okay uh, so i was going with peter pan or you know like green man from uh it's always sunny but red there we go okay you're taking it back <laughs> um wow all right <laughs> So we have this point where after our first beat with Carnage, our second beat is Aunt May learning that this happened in the plane with Mary Jane. And then we get Spider-Man, Peter, swinging around doing his thing. But he's thinking to himself, I can't wait to see Mary Jane. All this sort of stuff that you're like, look, when you read this as a comic book reader, you're going, you didn't need that bit with Aunt May. You know something bad happened to Mary Jane the minute when we first see Peter Parker. He's like, I can't wait to get home to my loving wife, Mary Jane. Why I want to make more of a commitment to her. Why everything's going to be so grand just the moment I open up those doors because I'm committed to her not tomorrow next year i'm doing it now and forever i love this woman and i'm just gonna murmur murmur murmur. um it's so signposted already that you're just going oh my god we're like i at this point i was expecting to see a a frame of mary jane like with rebar through her at this point (laughs) Uh, jeez it's a pretty comic common thing comics when someone dies horrifically and they want to say no they're dead rebar usually signifies that (laughs) It's true. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've never really like put it together like that. But yes, you're right, and it even pops up in places where rebar just isn't there, like a plane. I, you know, those comic book planes are made out of rebar and concrete, and then people horribly. Die. Maybe that's why they're always falling out of the sky. Yeah, they're a little heavy. Uh, so uh, this whole thing is it is this the Spider-Man bit of this comic is surreal. Um, Spider-Man's dealing with these thugs well not talking or anything he's just taking them out as succinctly as possible like there's this um i forget if it's a truck or a bus but some vehicle with people in it and he needs to get people out and save them and he's just going about like ho hum you know i have to do this it's basically my job and she has her job but then we have to come together we need to balance and i need to let someone else save the day once in a while he's basically just like running through the motions while saving these people 
people's lives and not really caring or paying attention to it just treating it like you know i I gotta punch the clock on the superhero thing and then get back to my life (laughs) Uh, and i've been putting too much into my work and i i need to get back it's just it's the weirdest thing because like i've had that moment when i'm working overtime and i'm like you know i need to get back to my family this isn't the right balance here but i'm punching in spreadsheets i'm not dealing with you know people's mortality hanging in the very balance (laughs) you're not saving an exploding bus right uh and so it's just uh it's a weird juxtaposition and then red man pops up and starts terrorizing people and one of kingpin's mooks is gonna deal with him because the guy's a menace even to criminals because he's just a guy painted in red with a knife going woogity boogity or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah i guess the woogity boogie was off panel but clearly implied i and kingpin's mook like is dealing with it and then the kingpin points up and he's like what is this oh no it's spider-man and then spider-man deals so we get a kingpin cameo for what um like i said surreal and kingpin's just eating dinner and he's not doing any crimes and frankly his mooks are dealing with the situation on the street it's kind of like that chicago mob rule thing where there was the upside too just surreal but meanwhile this whole time peter's like i gotta get to mary jane then we get those final pages of like well her plane crash into the and it's all off panel we don't see mary jane she has she she not only doesn't have agency which is a big part of the fridging trope she's literally a plot point that doesn't need to exist in the comic for the weight of her missing being felt in any way we don't need to see like how her death affected her or what she thought about in her final moments like it's so devoid of not even agency but the character entirely that it's far i I don't know it's super weird i've never seen it done this way before it's kind of cringy well part of the reason might just be because it was supposed to be ambiguous on whether or not she died because this comic does say something oh they're still tallying together like a list of survivors or whatever so i I guess it's cringy is the right word because that is a plot point it's just but yeah going back going back to um you know creative writing class just the straight up 101 course is the issue of showing versus telling and 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 this plot point this is which is supposed to be this huge plot point which ramifications are felt for for at least a year for for dozens of issues is just straight told to us like 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 you're reading you know uh, the byline in the news yeah yeah the, the and and so so it lacks any sort of dramatic tension it lacks the character you're, you're not really be able to put in, put into it because the, again kind of like what you're saying is spider-man swinging around after we already know that mary jane's gone like oh i can't wait to see my wife blah 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 blah, blah. and that, that's supposed to be the pathos like that's supposed to be how we connect to this but there's nothing there we already know what's happening and there's no no solid dramatic irony here because spider-man thinking about his wife is done in such a blase matter yeah um it's just not good (laughs) all right the only other note i really wanted to make about this issue is that for some reason aunt may looks like andy griffin and it's super weird do you mean andy griffith yes from the andy griffith show yes before my time but looked like that guy Uh, you know, Aunt May being drawn like a melting gremlin is just, 
a beloved tradition of Spider-Man, harkening all the way back to Steve Ditko. Well, as long as it has historical precedence, I guess. Uh, is there anything <laughs> else you want to mention on Peter Parker's Spider-Man 13? Um, no. All right. <laughs> Let's move to Web Spinners 13, in which we get uh, Cletus Cassidy in a truck causing some mayhem in Manhattan. Yeah, uh, well, no. First, we start with this yes. bizarre framing narrative um of this like so okay so just to telegraph a few things we're about to go to the negative zone uh in this story uh spider-man and cletus hop a ride on the van cletus drives them through an open portal they end up in the negative zone but these two web spinner issues are framed by some hooded figure telling the story of of Carnage and Spider-Man appearing. Um, and it's it's done in just the most hokey, like science fantasy kind of way where you know, uh, it's, I'm not going to tell you a story. It's get, gather children for the telling. And, you know, and it's, it's very much like, it's a sci-fi setting, but it's very much just kind of like a high fantasy kind of, uh, using those tropes well, and, of, of, uh, like of steeping this as if it's a myth. And I wonder if they were trying to make dusk into something that would be part of more of the Marvel lore, but kind of the negative zone, black Panther in a way. Maybe. Maybe, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't really do a lot of a negative zone stuff. I'm not huge on Fantastic Four, and they're the ones who mostly play around with the negative zone. So I can't really say much to to like the history and impact of this story on that. I have a feeling not that much. it's relatively <laughs> minuscule, seeing that it's from Web Spinners colon Tales of Spider-Man number 13 and 14 um <laughs> the most beloved spider-man run of all time right but so you know the story opens up with a big splash page giving you the title the time before where this again this figure is telling us the story of the mad one calling himself carnage the sad one <laughs> spider-man which wow <laughs> Um, the Lost Hero Dusk. Now, this is the original OG Dusk, not Cassie St. Commons uh, from Spinners, or Slingers, rather. And Blastar, uh, who is... Every time I read his name, I read, like, the Monstars from Space Jam. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Blastar the Tyrant, who is a kind of uh, apocalypse-style figure, um, DC Apocalypse. Uh, he's uh, like a universe conqueror that hangs out in the negative zone. He's a big hairy monkey man that shoots lasers out of his hands, more or less. Yeah, well, you know, like very you do. Jack Kirby esque, if not directly yes. Jack Kirby. Now that I think about it, I'd have to look that up. Like um, you said, Fantastic he's... Four. We're, we're playing a little in the Fantastic Four realm here, which I mm -hmm. also think gets to, like you said, there's this framing of them coming to the negative zone, and then we get Spider Man and Cletus in the truck because Cletus was still at large at the end of Spider Peter Parker's Spider Man 13, which is how this carries through. Is mm -hmm. he hijacks a truck? Spider Man looks for him, finds him at the last minute. Then when he's about to drive 
given to a wall, I guess. They get ported to the negative zone because it's Marvel. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, if this was a Fantastic Four comic, I feel like that pivot would have worked. Like, that's kind of when you're signing on to a Fantastic Four comic, you're like, yeah, sure, fine. But when you're in a Spider-Man comic, that's a hard churn. That's a bit of a pill to swallow, which is funny because, you know, they're running around the same town, same Marvel universe, but it's those expectations of whatever genre split we are between the two. It feels super bizarre. It's also not handled in any way that really makes any sense. No, it's not. I, I will say that I had to read the story twice. The first time I read it, it made absolutely no sense to me. And I had trouble following beat for beat. Uh, second time reading it, uh, I was able to elucidate a few things. Kane, the confused um, one. <laughs> there we go. That, that's That'll be my... At least I'm not the sad one. <laughs> Um, Our hero, so, the sad one. It's like Ava. Right. <laughs> so Spider-Man is in this kind of like in-between zone as he's tra- uh, traveling to the negative zone. Um, oh gosh, what do they call it? Um, the distortion area. Uh, fantastic name. Um, and all of a sudden he starts having visions of Lord Tiger, Lady Vermin, the Knights of Wondegore, and the High Evolutionary. Um, which, if you are familiar with Spider-Man Unlimited, the cartoon series, you'll remember those characters. If not, uh, there is a helpful little bubble at the bottom <laughs> telling you to read the comic book version, Spider-Man Unlimited number one. Because all of a sudden Spider-Man transforms into that costume. Um, no reason is given. Um, um, nor does it really play into the story in any way other than allowing the fact that he's basically around to fly around the negative zone, not needing webs or anything, which honestly, we're in the negative zone. Which, I didn't need a... He's not even shown like, like all any sort of flying is mostly done off panel. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's... It... So much of this comic is done off panel. Also, one thing I want to note, um, the lettering in some of these bubbles changes. Mm-hmm. Like we, we go from your the typical font to like a, a smaller, more condensed kind of comic sansy looking mm-hmm. one. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what was going on there. I, it kind of made me wonder, like, because I'm reading this in the web, web spinners, um, uh, bu- 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 trade trade collection and i was wondering like was some of this altered um so i i did look up a digital copy and again that's the digital copy but um it was the same lettering i don't know do you, do you have the like the the physical floppy of this I, man i don't have the physical floppy i saw what you saw and i just didn't pay much mind to it but right i mean par for course um you know if if anyone listening has the original like hard copy of this it'd be interesting if there is anything different or if this lettering discrepancy i mean the first time it happens is like on the i think like the second first or second page with cassidy in the truck I'm shocked they didn't retouch um, that up when they republished it like of all the things you totally can change when you republish something to make it look nicer, consistent lettering would be there, I believe. Yeah. Um, again, it's web sl- uh, web spinners. Tales of Spider-Man number thirteen and fourteen, pr- probably pretty low on the um, uh, priorities list. 
But yeah, so while in the distortion area, Spider-Man finds uh, Dusk, Sans costume, they port into the negative zone in front of Blastar, who is yelling at them because he's messed up their plot or his plot of marching his whole army through this portal. Because apparently somehow by Spider-Man going through this portal, the portal is now used up. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know how one person going through the portal is not good while marching an entire army through is good um because it's his army that he wants to get on the other side but because the portal is used once from the other side it gets used up they're single-use portals how much that use is is you know open to interpretation (laughs) but once it's used once it's come and go and then you have to go find another i guess i don't know i don't know if i really want a rules lawyer a dimensional portal that just sounds like a terrible time You know, you gotta make rules for this stuff so there's stakes, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so, I don't know, he gets mad, but then Carnage and Blastar kind of hit it off. But it's not Carnage yet, it's Cassidy, and then he, like, cracks a rock and finds a symbiote and... You're you're, you're skipping way ahead, because there's still a lot. (laughs) No, 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 there's a lot that's going on that I want to touch on, because it just doesn't make any sense. So, alright, so, Blastar gets mad at Spider-Man and dusk and starts destroying the city and then we get this whole narration about how uh from from the framing narrative because you can tell because the lettering's the same green green font um and so it, and it's talking about how like the city was the center of the governor uh, of governing of our race for eons a jewel in our universe a place of learning a place of peace so like it the, the story is trying to tell you that like this is a tragic event uh you know blastar is raising this city to the ground and there's one the art doesn't render it at all it's a crude outline on like an orange backdrop and some black speed lines in one panel a explosion in another panel and then like another uh low detail rendering of blastar blowing things up on the second panel so we don't see it in the art we're only told in this in the pages of the or in the 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 lines of the dialogue that this is a tragic event and then the next page we have dusk saying like oh it can be rebuilt it's just a place of brick and mortar it's it's not it's not that important also um all the people survive because there are secret underground tunnels that these people have known about since the earliest of days yet they are fantastic secret keepers because no one else knows about these things only the like thousands upon millions of people who live here uh and then they're so they're all in this underground bunker this like really futuristic underground bunker congregating and then the dusk has returned they give him back the costume and he's like the hero of the people i say this because you turn the page and then all of a sudden they're in a canyon spider-man and like all of these uh all these people are now in like a canyon because Blastar blew up a planet there uh, so so we go back I, I said we turned the page but that's not exactly what happened so the, the the story ends with Blastar and Carnage in one panel deciding to join forces you you start the next comic you start number 14 14 opens with Blastar blowing up a planet and and but before you get that before you get that you go uh, his power was great and terrible uh, you know when he met resistance on our world and it's twin because apparently in negative zone earth there was a second earth and blaster just blows it up so 
So we go from learning, hey, there are two Earths, that's cool, and then Blastar blew it up. Okay, well, what was on second Earth? Like, what was so important about that? MC2. What's going on? Why do I care about this? Why do I care about this story? I don't. And then, and then... Well, what's really... And that's when we get back. the other part, too. So you've skipped two parts that I want to touch on, because you're covering so much, and I want to point out that this story's even trying to throw in more. So in Spider-Man does the suit switch, they have a whole page devoted to the idea of, like... Why am I uncomfortable with my suit switching? Oh, right. That's how Venom was born on some alien planet. I got a new costume, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, what the heck? But they're trying to tie it to this cartoon and it's just a whole mess. And so Spider-Man's costume becomes like three plot points that barely get touched on. And then, as you point out, Blastar blows up a planet, but he's teaming up with Carnage. Who cares at that point? He blew up a friggin' planet. Carnage is basically a lackey at that point. We're used to Carnage being the big bad. So the stakes are supposed to be raised by them coming together but they're not at all oh sorry go on right so you know blastar learns that the rebels evacuated the planet before it was destroyed again how was that ha- how did that happen you know it's like like another another scene that should have been in this comic that is delivered by dialogue um you know and then and then we're back to this canyon with spider-man and dusk they fight the uh scouter droids from empire strikes back Okay. Uh, you know the ones that were on Hoth. Never seen. Um, you've never, you've never seen Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. Easy. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Uh, I believe it reflects more on you that I would believe that you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back. Uh, since you're like, oh, who's Jake Gyllenhaal? I didn't know. I still basically don't. He's an actor. <laughs> anyway, um... So after we just destroy the uh, the Hoth robots, which I'm sure Dan will probably tell us what they're actually named, um, we 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 move the scene back to Cletus, who has found, like you said earlier, a buried symbiote. Um, again, no explanation why this is here. No explanation what this is, where Cletus is, where he found this. Is, is this in Blastar's stuff? Was this on a random planet? Where? How did he get to this planet? Why is he on this planet? I thought he was helping Blastar, but... He's on a roll. So, yeah, so he digs up what looks like a time capsule, like a shoebox with a pattern on it. And then, and then opens it up and then it's the Carnage symbiote. Yeah, but like, it's not the Carnage symbiote, but it's like another symbiote, but he just makes it look like Carnage. Which doesn't make Um, sense in lore until you get to Absolute Carnage. Yeah, like it... it, (sighs) Except symbiote rules change almost every time they show up in a new iteration in this era of Marvel, Mm -hmm. so whatever. Right, then we get hit by another meanwhile. Where are we? again don't know do we ever establish place the negative no. zone why would we ever establish place it's not that's not important so um god we are just and by we i mean i am just demolishing this thing um so i i guess we're back in no 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 okay so no no so we st- oh, we get a meanwhile and there are some green robots spider-man blows up the green robots nothing else happens there's there, there's some robots spider-man punches one's heads off head off he makes a quip and then dusk says i sense great danger you turn the page and then we get a short time later um 
We're back with Blastar. We once again neglected to establish where we are. I, 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 I think he's on the planet. He might be on the planet. He might be in a spaceship. Um, you, you don't know, but he's charging up his laser to destroy everything. Um, his great plan is that he is going to open up a portal and instead of marching his army through, he's just going to shoot a laser through it and blow up the earth that way. Um, Carnage is for this because, you know, he uh, normally he just kills people one at a time. But now with Blastar, he can just like straight up wipe off like planets away. Um, And so Carnage and Spider-Man fight. And then Blastar is about to Blastar. And then Dusk says, wait, if you blow this up, you'll blow up everything. Then there will be nothing left to conquer. And then Blastar just basically says, yeah, you're right. He asks his scientists... Um, who kind of look like a possible man. And then the scientists are like, I don't know, that might be right. Uh-huh. And then Blaster just stops. So basically, like, like I, I just, I, I don't understand this comic at all. Like, it, so much is on, is done on coincidence. So much is just unestablished so much is just just happens it just happens things happen and it throws stuff at you but none of the stuff that matters or that's important that really build up the stakes so that you can understand and follow you know the 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 tension and the arcs in this in this story Uh, um i've been talking a lot i'm sorry uh is is there anything else that you wanted to say about this before we wrap uh, wrap up the story after you step through the entire two issues marking down the entire time <laughs> I'm sorry. I just no. You were. I, I have strong opinions on this on the story. Very passionate about this. I'll, I'll grant you that. I was less so. I was willing to take take it a little more at its level. Um, it, it's definitely not a well structured comic in a different way than the other two. And what c- really clinched this for me though is one part we haven't gotten to, which is the very end where they they decide to turn off the machine. Cletus gets mad because he wants to kill everything. Cool. Uh. <laughs> So Blastar fights him and then Dusk and Spider-Man are now in a different room, it looks like, but I I guess they're not. I don't know. Like you said, place is not well established. And so something happens. Spider-Man jumps in to save a bunch of people's lives, even though I guess they're turning off the machines. So it's a very muddled, confusing thing where basically all that ends up is somehow Cletus and Peter end up and they end up being ported back right to where they drop out of from New York. And Spider-Man swings away. Cletus is with the police and that's our ending. But Cletus has the symbiote now whether or not it's and spider-man's back in the red and blues right so it's like we go through this whole thing just to have a reset and this story's never brought up again uh the consequences of this which are framed as such in the beginning to the negative zone is like one of the biggest of dusk the hero of that realm's biggest moments with the assistance of these otherworldly to them gods even though blastar and dusk are the ones with more control and power here and spider-man and carnage are kind of just incidental that should be our pov characters to both the sides but not really and all throughout this spider-man doesn't talk like spider-man he talks like a uh golden age superhero with no personality or wit just completely to the plot and it it just ends it this comic just ends in two pages it's 
surreal. So yeah, not a great one by any means. And it plays on so much here. I mean, in order to start to make sense of this, and both of us didn't have all this, you need a little bit of the uh, negative zone understanding. You need to understand a bit about the symbiotes and carnage and where he was from just one issue prior that was like a beat in a comic prior. Um, you need to understand a bit about Spider-Man Unlimited, which they signpost, but if you don't know that that's supposed to be an entire different Spider-Man, not our Spider-Man, and this costume is being thrown onto him and they evoke the idea of all this, um, but then also evoke the idea of Venom at the same time. So there's all that going on, then all the other not it's just so much happening and none of it seems to matter. Hooray. Yep, yeah, that's about it. So um fantastic carnage story <laughs> cool so let's look at the web of rankings kane there's another carnage story we didn't love with cosmic carnage that is number 50 on our list out of 53 entries with the top being hooky and the bottom being trouble so we are dangling at the bottom and i feel like we're going to be pretty close to this one do you feel the story is stronger or weaker than cosmic carnage i feel like it's weaker than cosmic cool. carnage um uh, cosmic carnage at least told a story and I'm going um, to be honest with you, coming into this, I thought maybe this was a little stronger than Cosmic Carnage. After walking through it with you, no, I'm willing to go the other way. So, yeah. okay, um, let's just step down. Do you think this story is stronger or weaker than Lords of Light and Darkness, Marvel Team-Up Annual number one, which was with the X-Men with, in a weird period for the X-Men more than Spider-Man on that one? Uh, I believe it's weaker than the Lords of Light and Darkness. Uh, Lords of Light and Darkness, while it was a strange comic that also just ended at the end, it did have a little of that, like, Silver Age charm to it. Uh, that didn't really help the narrative so much as it made it an enjoyable relic. Um, yeah. This this doesn't really have any charm to it. And um, I'd like to point out, I would go back and read Cosmic Carnage and Lords of Light and Darkness and enjoy them as kind of bad B comics that were just kind of fun to go through. This is the second time I've read it. Having read it a second time, I liked it even less and I don't want to read it again. I can't really mm -hmm. say that about anything above that on this list now we get to the two where we might have to have a little bit of a fight do you think this story is stronger or weaker than the short halloween i'm gonna be honest i don't really remember the short halloween that much it was just a kind of a no nothing story that's the one about like the drunk spider-man yeah costumer written by okay, snl yeah, people um, it's just kind of a goof and a gaff and it's done yeah um i'm gonna cut to the chase i want this to go below trouble uh, and see i'm willing to put it under the short halloween but i cannot in good conscience put it below trouble <laughs> trouble is still so much worse no 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 okay trouble does not have tr trouble <laughs> with establishing place <laughs> Um, it's not pulling from a cartoon that a lot of people didn't watch. Um, you, you weren't familiar with it. It's not, um, it's not pulling. Okay. It's not pulling from, um, you know, uh, like a, a separate realm of the Marvel universe that Spider-Man normally does not, That's not true. mess around it's pulling with from the young romance uh, comics of older Marvel. What up? <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so the reason Trouble is so far down on our list is because it attempts, in your words, to be a like a young adult romance, but it fails to properly deploy or employ all the proper tropes. It doesn't build up the characters, so you don't care about their interrelationships. So the story is, is an absolute and failure. And it's basically a crime this... read because everyone's underage, especially on the covers. <laughs> <laughs> this story fails to properly like establish like it doesn't establish dusk uh it doesn't establish blastar um the the motivations there are paper thin the resolution is like a no nothing it, it, it's it's just it's a, it's nothing it, it the, the story is so hollow and empty <sighs> Man, I don't know. Look, Trouble Trouble is trying to do something so simple. It's trying to tell a romance story and it's supposed to have a little switcheroo for the Spider-Man mythos. If I don't treat it as a Spider-Man story, which I have to not for my sanity, uh, it's still just a romance comic without any romance. It is gross. It is terrible. It doesn't play on the tropes that it needs to. And it is just like watching a bunch of teenagers be dicks and then screw up their lives and then it ends terribly and it is like there's not only is there no point in reading it the fact that we spent time reading it when we could have instead of you know we could have watched paint meditated doing nothing would be a more useful avenue of your time whereas this comic is not great but at least it scratches the itch for you to want to maybe go read some better comics or do something and it plays on some ideas and it's ultimately a failure but at least it's going somewhere like i'd rather read a swing and a miss than something that just never could have been a hit to begin with everything about trouble is wrong this story if executed differently could have been pretty darn interesting probably needed a little more time but uh, at least at least there's spider-man in it also (laughs) Okay, well, uh, you know, I've I've argued my point. If if you won't see the light, then I'll acquiesce. Uh, you sure? Yeah, yeah. There's you know, there, there's no sense turning this into a a, a knockdown brawl. I'll just I'll know I'll know in the back of my head that I was right. I'll know I'll know our true web of ranking. It sounds like you have another small point. Something else? No. Nothing? No, no, no. For for the sake of this podcast, I will I will hold my tongue. <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. Trouble was ambitious. They tried something. They were trying something. They were trying to break into a new market. Okay. And they they swung and they missed. This story has no ambition. It's it's trying to tell a weird Spider-Man story involving Carnage, involving the Negative Zone. None of these parts, the sum of all of these parts, don't even come together to attempt to create something greater yeah, okay. they they all crash into each other and drag them down <sighs> okay 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 fine i, I did it <laughs> slowly trouble works its way <laughs> up our list <laughs> okay um there is 13 hold on i need to look up the name of this so we can have it on our list <laughs> the time before Simple. All right. Um. Cool. All right, Kane. You have it. Number the entry fifty four. Number fifty four on our list. The time before Peter Parker, Spider Man thirteen, and Web Spinners thirteen and fourteen. It feels good. It feels good to win one after after reading that story twice. 
<laughs> All right. So, and that's before before we move on, because I, I just want to have a little capstone because we used to say, you know, what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story, but we just moved through most of the Carnage stories that exist that aren't weird Carnage one-offs or whatever, or Carnage himself as a series. But in relation to Spider-Man and Carnage, we moved through most of the stories that are not his first appearance, which we don't feel we can cover, or Maximum Carnage, which we don't feel we cover. What is your feeling about Carnage across these stories? And, you know, harkening back to Silver Surfer 1, like, um, is do you feel like the character really holds up, or is he really just kind of a moment in time that's been held up because it was just such an explosion in its day? Uh, definitely the second one. Um, there's not really, like, a... I mean, again, we didn't cover Maximum Carnage, which was his strong character-defining moment, but these stories that come after Maximum Carnage really seem like they're trying to figure out what to do with this character. Like, clearly, clearly this character was popular. He showed up on, on the cartoon around that was coming out around this era a lot, and he was he was a major player in, the, in that cartoon, and so much that they brought him back for Spider-Man Unlimited. But just reading these stories, there's not a great, like... He doesn't really seem like a great fit for Spider-Man, or at least no one has, from from this point, was able to write a story that really fit him better into the Spider-Man mythos and and into his rogues gallery. He's just he's it seems almost too over the top for Spider-Man to to reasonably handle. What what, what do you so think? So I I want to signpost on the annual that we covered last time where. I think that was Mm -hmm. actually an interesting issue that did a lot of character development for Cletus and then kind of talking about when he became Carnage. But what they needed to do with this character is have something to depower him on some level. Because Carnage as a threat is supposed to be able to kill people with an errant thought. And as you kept pointing out, you know, the body count isn't there to justify that threat. The level of threat that's implied versus shown just never matches. But I think the idea that this guy could probably kill you just super efficiently and has the motivation to do so because his motivation is just killing he is just a serial killer taking that idea and moving it through the marvel universe i think could work but he needed to still work a little harder for it but i think the idea of the the having the name and the costume more or less of carnage and making that like the super villain part of it so it fits in the whole superhero world so he's not just like a sin eater character would work really well and i think you know when he's going through the motivations and going through his past and we're taken to other places places in the country for it i i think that's an interesting idea that could have had some legs could have done something made him his own villain that's worth coming back to every now and again as a true threat to spider-man but because they never played it down it always felt like this is supposed to be such a massive threat for spider-man but after he dealt with him two three times pretty roundly on his lonesome even without the cable gun uh it, it just the character just kind of loses ground due to the kind of inevitable power ranking that you do with superhero comics where you know the scorpion or the shocker don't feel like much of a threat because spider-man's beat them up how many times and how much of a threat did they ever really propose like the first few times they show up they're posed as a real threat as to the point now where they're considered goofballs that are part of a society that you know they're canon yeah Yeah. maybe not as much with scorpion scorpion kind of swings but my point is is, shocker yeah yeah. (laughs) carnage was just kind of working down but they kept presenting him as this larger threat here he's supposed to be almost at a cosmic scale of a threat and so we finally in absolute carnage kind of gotten that play up again and played him bigger and 
someone just needed to address that in some way and i think that's a big part of why this is working whereas a number of these carnage stories have fallen relatively flat though some of them were all right all right Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that we're past this era of carnage because it seemed to bring down whatever story it was in yeah i'll agree with that and uh all right that's it for this episode uh hopefully we'll have some some better comics coming up here but before we get to that we'd like to extend a thank you to everyone for listening to the show and an invitation for you guys to join our Patreon where you can hear not only uh, me and Matt talking about literally every B title that's coming out right now. Right now we're, we're running through those Absolute Carnage B titles and let me tell you, it's a lot of work, but a lot of them are strangely good. Uh, but you'll also get to hear Mark and Dan's uh, amazing Spider-Man reviews over at the Amazing Spider Talk. You get both of these shows, bo- both bonus content for these shows for just $3.99 a month. On top of that, you also get access to our members-only section in our Slack community where you can talk to all of the other high rollers. <laughs> jackets forthcoming. Um, <laughs> jackets forthcoming indeed. Um so matt speaking of what we're going to be talking about next i had my own block where we did my handpick selection uh then we took a little little break with this carnage block but i believe it is your turn to throw some uh throw some gold on our list yeah so i i didn't want to just reach for a lot of favorites and much to probably cane chagrin i reached to a lot of my childhood favorites these weren't just comics i enjoyed but were foundational stories for me as a spider-man reader and i thought that would add maybe a little bit of a different spin to it so the first one that i covered or picked was peter parker's spider-man issues 85 through 87 this is a story that i think about a lot when it comes to talking about villains and kind of like that power ranking idea i just brought up and whatnot this is spider-man dealing with george stacy being strapped to him while under the gun of the trapster and the shocker and it says a lot about spider-man in the moment a lot about where these villains are and that maybe we should reconsider taking some of spider-man's films a little more seriously and also some implications about the larger marvel universe which i found fascinating and like i said think about a lot um next is a one shot that is an oddity it's spectacular spider-man 120 this is uh you know just one of those single issues that really play up the neighborhood aspect of spider-man but it's it's a dark gritty 80s comic uh and then finally i wanted to talk about spider-man 15 because it's i think the most prominent issue of spider-man dealing and confronting the idea of being a father that is in normal canon it isn't like a spider girl issue it's uh it it says something about and says something about the idea of spider-man being a dad in the marvel universe which i you know another comic i think about a lot so i hope you guys look forward to it and i think it will be interesting even if all these issues aren't necessarily going to be trying to vie for a tough spot (laughs) well they certainly sound more interesting than whatever we just finished talking about (laughs) our our new lowest rated (laughs) issue i hope so uh we'd like to extend a special thanks to the ellie bash for providing our theme song if you'd like to listen more from them uh check out those show notes let me try that again uh we'd also like we'd also like to extend a special thanks to the ellie bash for providing our theme song if you'd like to listen to more from them you can check out our show notes for links to their streaming services uh and until i get skewered by ro uh re- god fucking <laughs> 
You want to take it? You want to take it? Until the looter be teams up with Galactus, make mine untold. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>